Well, it's a pleasure to welcome Daryl Bernstein, partner and head of dispute resolution at Baker McKenzie Johannesburg, as well as Janet McKenzie, who's a partner and head of the technology, media and telecommunications division at Baker McKenzie Johannesburg. Thanks very much for joining us. And now uh, an interesting discussion today, which comes at a time when cyber attacks are on the rise. COVID has opened the door to hacks and cyber criminals, not just in South Africa, but in South Africa, certainly we are seeing um, an increase in these attacks every minute you're having hundreds of these types of attacks coming through there and it's putting us all on our guard but some really important legislative developments have come through um, and maybe if we can just start there the recently enacted new cybercrime law um, is is in place in South Africa and, and maybe if we can just start um, Daryl with the context of this latest legal development so Evan, as everybody knows, everybody is at home, right? So this is the one of the, the, the impacts of the pandemic. Um, and I think that's driven home a message of the extraordinary value that uh, personal data has in the global economy, while at the same time demonstrating how vulnerable we are to abuse and attack um, with, with, with all systems, all businesses, most global economies moving almost entirely online. We've seen governments around the world review their data privacy and protection laws and regulations. South Africa is obviously not immune from that. Um, and we've seen a, a great increase in cyber attacks on the African continent, and in particular in the key financial centers. So we're seeing it in South Africa, we're seeing it in Kenya, we're seeing it in Nigeria. This is not new. This has always historically been the case. There are other vulnerabilities that have led to this from a law enforcement perspective. Um, but take the pandemic, take all of the world's economies online um, and rapidly evolving digital techniques um, have simply led to an increase in the types of threats and hacking events that have happened on the continent. Now, in South Africa specifically, the Cyber Crimes Act was signed into law by President Ramaphosa in early June 2021, so fairly recent. But it does bring the country's cybersecurity legislation into line with global standards. Maybe just tell us a little bit more about what we can expect from this act, so the Cyber Crimes Act. So this is really an attempt to bring our historic common law and jurisprudence in relation to criminal conduct into the 21st century online and to deal with cybercrime. So it's really a part of a larger set of laws and policy initiatives that will regulate our always expanding online economy and, of course, with that, the surge in cybercrimes, even that we were just discussing. Um, so once it commences, the Cybercrimes Act will codify a number of crimes and penalties, which historically would probably have been considered crimes in some respects or may simply have escaped the net completely. So, you know, um, the disclosure of data messages, which are deemed harmful, um, and an ability to get interim protection relief in respect of those data messages are now criminalized. Um, the type of relief you may have been able to receive um, in terms of the criminal laws stood has now been codified in a nice, practical, and useful manner, um, which hopefully makes it more accessible to those people that are the subject of those types of harmful data messages. Um, we're seeing a court jurisdiction shift and change in order to deal with which jurisdictions are going to have authority in respect of 
certain crimes in the cyber arena, um, which authorities, which criminal agencies, which organs of state are going to have the authority and the mandate to investigate cyber crime, um, and then really to, to try and create mutual assistance between different states um, in terms of investigating cyber crimes. One of the things we know, even about this type of crime is that it is completely borderless, right? It, it, is just, it really is multi-jurisdictional in the truest possible sense. So you need that mutual assistance between different jurisdictions and different agencies in order to have any success um, in the fight against crime. And then it also seeks to designate a, a point of contact within the South African police so that there is some expertise being built up in an ideal world, of course, um, given the state of our of our law enforcement agencies, it would be wonderful to see them um, really develop some in-house um, expertise, experience, resource in terms of assisting with investigating cybercrime. Um, and then, of course, some of the more controversial provisions relate to obligations to report cybercrimes. Um, so relatively unusual provisions in criminal law about duties to act. We've had them in our law in the past. Uh, in relation to corrupt and criminal activity, uh, we will now see similar duties in relation to cyber crimes. Um, even in terms of the new offences um, and the sanctions, um, you know, these tend to relate specifically to data, to computers, to networks, to the crimes involving hacking, unlawful interception of data, um, things that we know as ransomware attacks forgery, but specifically in the cyberspace, and we're talking about things like the theft of um, incorporeal property, um, and of course, you know, extortion, which is something which is very common in the cyberspace. We've all heard of these sort of ransomware attacks where large corporates have been made to hand over a significant sum of money in the form of Bitcoin or other untraceable um, cryptocurrency in order to get their systems back online. It goes a step further, and also the Cyber Crimes Act criminalizes malicious communications. So what is a malicious communication? That's any electronic communication sent to a person or a group or the public in order to incite uh, damage to property or violence against a group of people. So that's quite interesting. Um, so really um, a whole new realm of laws, a whole new uh, way of operating in an attempt to uh, uh, get a grip on cybercrime. I think the, the final sort of point I'll make on this is that there are now extensive powers granted to law enforcement in relation to search and seizure of networks, databases, and computers, um, which, which has a big impact on electronic communication service providers and financial institutions in terms of their role in cybercrime matters and their obligation to report certain offenses. So um, very, very invasive in a sense in terms of people that manage networks and money and the obligations that they now accrue under the Cybercrimes Act, which they'll be paying close attention to. Now, just to bring uh, Janet in, and a very interesting and important point, I think, is just to create the clarity. In, in July, we're going to have the protection or substantive um, implementation of key provisions of the Protection of Personal Information Act. But this also covers data security in some respects. Uh, Janet, maybe you can just explain um, the implication there. 
Um, Evan, yes, you are absolutely correct. So data security is also governed by the Protection of Personal Information Act, which is known as POPI. Um, and, you know, this legislation really what it does is one of the, the lawful grounds for processing is that you have to have um, certain security requirements in place in order to process personal information of individuals. And as part of the sort of whole aim of, of ensuring that that information is kept secure um, and is protected from an unlawful access and or unauthorized access to information, what Poppy does is it imposes an obligation on what is referred to in the Act as responsible parties. So those will be companies who process the personal information of individuals or um, if you appoint an operator to process the information on your behalf as a responsible party, you will have to ensure that that operator also complies with certain security requirements that are set out in POPI to ensure that personal information under your possession or in your possession or under your control is sufficiently safeguarded against any sort of form of unauthorized access or um, unlawful interference with that information. So it, it does, to a certain extent, add the other dimension to the Cyber Crimes Act in that it enforces an obligation on um, companies to ensure that the data that they process of individuals and of, of juristic persons is safeguarded. What is interesting in terms of Poppy is that as a responsible party, you'll be required to notify all data breaches that you become aware of or that occur within an information security system over which you have control. And this is a slight deviation from the GDPR, um, which governs um, the, the treatment of personal information in the European Union. And under the GDPR, there's a there's a material threshold requirement. And in terms of the GDPR, you only need to report data breaches that would have a significant impact on the data subject or are of a significant um, impact in and of themselves. So the difficulty that we have here in South Africa is that almost every single data breach incident will have to be reported to the information regulator. The only leeway that you have is maybe in the delay in reporting that breach, which must be done within a reasonable period of time. The information regulators also stipulated that um, 72 hours would be regarded as, as, as being reasonable for the reporting of breaches. And granted, which you would be able to delay... Um, the, the reporting of, of a breach would be due to a, law, a, a request from law enforcement or as or if there's a need for you to actually secure your own information security system and to also identify how that breach occurred. So those would be the only grounds for delaying the reporting of a breach. But otherwise, all breaches would have to be reported. And this could be even a minor breach or a minor incident which doesn't have any impact. So this does create quite a, a, an administrative burden on responsible parties and I think probably is going to be difficult to comply with going forward. Very, I mean, I'm yes. I'd love to come in on that. Yes, please. And just comment. Um, Evan, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's an interesting tension here between the evolution in the European context that Janet's alluded to mm. on their privacy law, where they've moved away from 
the as soon as reasonably possible time frame for reporting data breaches. Yeah. Um, and they've and they've moved towards a more prescribed time frame. Um, you know, which 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 is which is obviously much more difficult in circumstances where one is still trying to get to grips with what's happened uh, in response to an incident. It does mean that organizations are going to have to put in place proper processes and procedures to act very quickly as soon as they become aware of breaches. But it also raises an interesting tension with the Cyber Crimes Act, which builds in a, um, a 72-hour period um, for reporting obligations on the electronic communication service providers and financial institutions whose communications networks um, are impacted by the categories of offences that we discussed earlier that are created by the Act. So those organisations are going to have, have to think a little bit about the interplay between those two pieces of legislation. Mm. Yes, it certainly sounds like um, a powerful set of, uh, of new rules. Um, I think implementation is going to be the challenge. Um, a lot of companies, I think, are going to have to ensure that their employees, firstly, have the awareness, and that's raised, and they have is raised, and that they have all the internal processes in place and the correct reporting lines um, at risk of these rather significant sanctions, which I note in the Cybercrimes Act as much as 15 years um, for an offence. So I think the, it's incumbent on companies really to get to grips with this fairly quickly. I mean, maybe if I can just ask Janice as well, uh, Janet as well about the. Um, um, African developments. Um, it seems like South Africa has been a bit behind the curve until now, but are there any other countries in Africa doing similar things? In, in fact, there are, Evan. Um, so in 2020, Ghana passed its Cybersecurity Act. Um, this act oversees the country's response to the prevention and management of cybersecurity incidents. Um, the Act establishes the Cyber Security Authority and provides for the protection of the critical information infrastructure of, of Ghana. Um, it also regulates cyber security activities, oversees the protection of children on the Internet and seeks to develop Ghana's cyber security ecosystem. And of course, um, this is becoming a serious need across Africa. Um, and, and perhaps um, maybe just give us a bit of insight into why this type of legislation um, is so essential in Africa specifically. And there I'm talking about the growth of the digital economy and COVID in particular. We're seeing e exponential growth in the digital economy. And it's slightly concerning that it's not being regulated. Um, so, you know, in your view, will this really help? Yeah, but I'm happy to comment on that um, as well. I think, you know, the, it's clear that um, the digital economy is an absolutely um, relevant boon to African economies. Um, it, there are huge opportunities um, as these economies digitalize, as we head into the so-called fourth industrial revolution. Um, but it's so important that... Um, that citizens are protected in relation to their digital privacy rights and the ongoing cybersecurity threats um, that they face. But you, there really is a balance to be struck here between not um, undermining what is a nascent economy while, on the other hand, protecting one's citizens. There are a few developments across the continent uh, where the African Union has a convention um, on cybersecurity and personal data, um, which has only been ratified by a very small number of the African Union members. I think at last count, I'd seen about eight countries ratified that particular 
convention. Um, um, I think another 14 countries have signed but not ratified it. So very slow um, in, in terms of bringing the appropriate legislation into place, but, but, but really important um, in, in terms of balancing this opportunity with the risks that they, that they present. I think there's going to need to be a lot of stakeholder consultation. Mm. Um, I think businesses both locally on the continent and internationally, um, along with self-regulating organizations who represent institutions, organizations, and society more general need to get involved in stakeholder consultations to ensure that the laws don't overdo the regulation and yes. undermine the growth that I refer to. Yeah, that, that, that element of overreach, you know, is, is, is one, one factor. But, but I, I must say, just in conclusion, thanks very much. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a really important issue here. Um, I do hope the companies out there in South Africa are getting their act together. I've seen a lot of positive developments there. But I think from this discussion, what's coming through is that there, you know, there are two elements. It's, it's about protecting Africa's citizens in one respect, and that's, uh, digital privacy rights, and then also, you know, preventing cyber security threats, because the impact of these threats is so significant on our growth, on jobs, you know, on future development um, in Africa. So, you know, it all sounds like we're moving in the right direction. Um, Daryl and Janet, thanks very much for the time. Really been great chatting to you. Such a pleasure. Good to talk, Evan. All the best. Yeah. Thanks so much, Evan, and all the best.